0: And that's kind of a, a double-meaning thing. It, it's both leader, Lord, but also from the head, the human head, is your brain. And your brain controls the body. Your brain uh, tells the body what to do. Your brain regulates uh, body functions, emotions. Everything comes from the brain. So we are the body of Christ. Uh, we're all different, different members of this body, different parts of this body. Some of us are, you know, we're all supporting ligaments. And we are receiving instructions from the head who is Jesus. We are plugging in to Jesus this morning. And we are seeking after him in prayer and worship and praise and asking him, Lord, what is it that you want to do me to do? What is your Holy Spirit saying to me today? Uh, what are you convicting me about? What are you uh, encouraging me to uh, to share with a brother or sister in Christ? What encouragement uh, do you have for me? What encouragement do I need to give to someone else? And as as we do this, as we follow the head who is Jesus, the whole body will build itself up in love as each part does its work. So that begins with worship. This is our upward. We we go upward, inward, outward. We connect to God upward. It's the first thing. We receive from Him. We allow it to transform us inwardly, and then we go outward, and we share what God gives us with those around us uh, for the sake of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. It is good to be here today. Uh, man, God is so good. His presence is so, so real. And uh, for those of you that were at the concert last night, what a, what a great time with, with uh, Robin Mark as he ministered grace of Christ to us. Um I love that one song we sang today of Robbins. Oh, Lord God Almighty, minister of grace. The minister of grace is Christ himself. He's the minister of grace because he uh, is God. God's second self, Jesus, came to the earth in the flesh, uh, died on the cross for our sins, and his blood that he shed is the atonement, which means covering for our sins. So who better to be the minister of grace than Christ, the one who has the covering? <laughs> he, he pours it out liberally on us, I'm not going to preach. Okay, um, this is a really special morning. We have the Bosnia team sharing. Uh, the Bosnia team was just two people this year, and we're going to, you're going to find out why it was so small, but I'm going to invite the, the better-looking people onto the stage, MJ Kowalewski and Lorian Albertson. Uh, so I've been to Bosnia two times. I went 10 years ago in 2005. When I was a wee boy, Um, well, I was younger, Um, and I went again with my wife in 2010, and we went together, Uh, it really impacted us quite a bit. I'll never forget uh, the people that we've met. Some of the people that MJ and Lorian will talk about are people that I met 10 years ago, and then I got to hear reports about what's going on with them, like Sonata, and I mean, very exciting stuff. Bosnia is a culture of hospitality. Bosnia is a culture of hospitality. In the in, in, in United States, you get together with a friend for coffee, and the understanding is, when this coffee's gone, I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the cultural milieu of, of the United States. Uh, when the coffee's gone, I'm leaving. If I'm not having fun, I'll drink my coffee faster, even if it burns <laughs> my tongue. Because then I can at least say, I need to use the bathroom, and then I really should go. Because um, I don't like other humans or interacting with them. Um, in, in, in Bosnia, it's a culture of hospitality. When you have coffee with someone, you have six to eight hours of coffee with someone. <laughs> what was your longest visit in Bosnia? Did you clock it? You're not allowed to clock it. But. Yeah, I don't know. all right, it was, long. It was long. How much? How many cups of coffee did you drink at a time? At one in one pop? Uh, yeah, lots, of lots of coffee. Okay, so it's a hospitable culture. There's some people that are they're impoverished. Hey, don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. MJ, I've thought of everything. I promise. Um, it, it's 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 a it's a it's a place where there is uh, a minority group, the Roma people, uh, and they are uh, outcasts in society. Uh, it, it's it's very much um, a culture war kind of situation. They are kind of shunned from restaurants, from different. It's racism. It's classism. It's everything.ism Badism towards the Roma people. And the really cool thing about the Church of Christ, uh, and right now there's activism happening for the Roma people. It's, you know, Roma lives matter, that kind of thing. You know, there's activism happening to bring about justice for these people. But the really good, cool thing is that in the Church of Christ, ten years ago, before activism was so popular, the Church of Jesus Christ had Serbians, Croatians, Muslims, and Roma people all worshiping Christ together in one building, which, is, which is the only, it was the only organization in the whole Bosnia and Herzegovina that housed all these ethnic groups. And be, through Christ, these people came to Christ, and they became brothers and sisters, and the racism, the, all the bad-isms were gone, and they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. Jesus planted that seed. That's what the gospel does. It levels the playing field, takes away our ridiculous ideas about uh, people having different values from each other. And it crushes that, the Church of Christ. And now the activism is catching up to Jesus. And, and, and indeed, you'll hear many of the uh, Christians are actually leading the activism over there. So it's a culture of hospitality. You meet for many hours. Uh, you also drink a lot of coffee, and you, and you eat a lot of food. They, they, these People that are impoverished, these Roma people, bring out their very best, and they give you everything they have. And they just command you to eat it. And then they don't have it anymore, you know? And they, they, that's, the, that's the kind of spirit of hospitality. It's a reflection of the hospitality of the Father God, that hospitality. Uh, so as you guys, we're going to be interviewing these ladies. And then, and as, as, as you're answering your questions, I'm going to distract everyone by offering hospitality to you, Bosnian style, so you'll get your coffee. Uh, but I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'm going to kind of prepare the coffee. Does that sound good? All right, very good. And you guys get to watch them eat and drink. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so here's, uh, I-, I wanted to kind of have you kind of introduce yourselves and let us know a bit about the Bosnian project, the Bosnian handcraft project and what it accomplishes. You know, t- talk to us about why the team was so small and what you guys went over there to do. Yes, uh, what is the Bosnian handcraft project?
1: Uh, oh, sorry. Is, that the right, is that the first question? That's it. Okay, so um, in the mid-90s, Bosnia-Herzegovina was caught up in a civil war that left the country just devastated. A quarter of the population was either killed or they fled the country as refugees. Um, Those who are still there are still really scarred physically, emotionally. There's still images of war everywhere, Um, everywhere you walk in Sarajevo and the sidewalks. There's just um, reminders of the war. Um, 20 years later, 20 plus years now, they're still trying to put the country back together, but they seem stuck at this unemployment rate of about 40%. So many families are living on a subsistence level only, where they're only able to get food on their table and just the bare necessities. There's no extras for dental care, um, medical care, it's a lot of um, struggle there for that. The Bosnian Handcraft Project helps the families um, by providing a marketplace for the handmade items that the local women make. And um, some of these items are patterns that have been handed down generation to generation, which is just so neat because you see these older women who have these slippers that they've been making since they were little and they're teaching their daughters and their daughters-in-law to make them and then sending them here and we're selling them. And it's just a really cool process. Um, For many of the women, this is their only source of income. And for some of them, it's a supplemental source of income. um, But all of it helps provide food, clothing um, extras for them. And it was inspired um, 16 years ago, yeah, about?
2: Well, just after the war. Just after a couple, the war. Couple years
1: after the war. Yep. You know. By a handcraft group in Mostar. Um, this handcraft group um, inspired the development of the Bosnian Handcraft Project, um, which was administered by the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance Workers, in Bosnia. It's been self-funding almost since the beginning, um, in 2000 and it consists of handmade lace, slippers, jewelry. Some of the younger um, girls are making jewelry out of recycled items, like the (laughs) K-cup necklaces and um, all sorts of really cool, fun things. So all the proceeds go directly back to the women there or to the project. Um, It's completely not-for-profit, and I think that's, yeah, pretty much sums it up. Cool. So how
0: does it work, the Bosnian Handcraft Project, how does it work at home and abroad? Like, what's the cycle of how that works.
2: Well, first of all, as Lorian was talking, you know, was inspired uh, in a a group in Mostar, but it was actually one woman, her name is Seika, who was uh, the inspiration for the project. And we'll be talking a a lot about Seika, um, but, you know, basically I I wanted to make it clear that Seika um, started the group based on a word from God. She was in a humanitarian aid um, project, you know, line um, to get food after the war. And God directly spoke to her. She was a new Christian. Um, God had um, kind of saved her from the pit. She had lost her son in the war. She was very distraught when she came to the Lord. And He spoke to her and said, um, She saw this pile of yarn and crochet thread in the humanitarian aid line, and she distinctly heard His voice saying, Use these things for my glory. She wasn't really sure what that meant. But um, pretty soon she figured it out because she had all these skills. She knew how to crochet. She knew how to knit. Um, So she felt like God was calling her to get a group of women together um, so that she could, first of all, teach them about him and his love and then knit together in order to heal their wounds from the war. So she invited people of all ethnic groups to join her group um, to just talk about spirituality um, and whatnot and heal From all the wounds they had, um, while they read their Bible, learned about the Lord, and then if they had time, they would they would knit and crochet. So that's how was was the real inspiration there. And then how it works between between the um, the U.S. and Bosnia. Kathy Icus, who many of you know because the the Icus have been here uh, many times, she is the buyer in. Bosnia-Herzegovina. So she travels to five, six, seven cities all over um, Bosnia and buys crafts from these women that are in need. Um, she does this pretty regularly. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not even part of her job description. So this is just something she does because the Lord laid this on her heart when she met Seika. Um, because they were making these great crafts, but they didn't have any way to sell them because everybody in Bosnia is poor, um, or at that time they were very poor. It was right after the war, so she got this idea. Well, if we got together and we sent the stuff to the USA, we could probably sell it. We could probably sell it there. So that's how it started. And so Kathy visits these women regularly. She buys the crafts. She takes the goods and packs them up into suitcases and gives them to um short-term mission teams that are coming back and forth missionaries that are coming back and forth it's too expensive to ship it so that's how we get it back and forth it all comes to new life fellowship we are the distribution church for handcrafts so when it comes here um Lori and myself a lot of women have helped me over the years with the project um carolyn helps me a lot now she's a great unpacker and packer of of crafts but um so we, we unpack it, get it ready for sale, put it into bins. We put it out here to sell. Sometimes we do all kinds of shows. So we we are the distribution church. So um, God always finds a way to make it happen. I have to say uh, it, it can get tiresome. It's a lot of work. But God has always provided. I've been doing it for about 10 years. He brings people alongside of me when I pray for that. Um, Lorian has been a real encouragement to me. Carolyn has been a huge encouragement to me, just for people that want to volunteer to help and just feel God's calling in this, in this project.
0: So to be clear, we are the distribution center for the United States. We are. This church. We are. So when we ask, well, could, could, we put it on the news sheet, could someone help with ha- Bosnian handcrafts? <laughs> this is it. <laughs> so you should help. It's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, you, you, we get orders
2: from all over the United States. I guess I didn't say that because there's churches in the Midwest that are connected to Bosnia through short-term missions and whatnot. So we get orders, and I have to come here and you know do a two-box order or whatever because they're having a mission conference, and they want to have a display like we have um, to sell. So we get orders all the time, um, and that's why we sell probably 20000 to $20, $25,000 a year in Bosnian handcrafts.
0: And what's your salary again? Zero. Oh, zero. Zero. Because <laughs> it's for the kingdom. <laughs> for, the kingdom for the kingdom. man. <laughs> um, so now, I'd like to get more personal. You know, what has God been doing in your life and teaching you throughout this trip and, and even the, the month that's followed since you returned?
1: Well, this was uh, my first missions trip, and it was my first trip um, internationally, with the exception of Canada. so. Um, he, yeah, it counts. <laughs> but he really, God really stretched my faith and expanded my worldview through this trip. Um, a, a lot of times, I love uh, Risa's faith story. It's really hard to get up here and share your story. It's even hard to share it in your cell group sometimes. Um, <clears throat> and that's something that... I think throughout my walk, I've struggled with sharing my story with people, and um, I got so much practice doing that in Bosnia, because those women, they want to hear every bit about your faith, and so that was, uh, that was really neat for me to be able to share my story, and uh, with so many different women and different people in the different church fellowships that we, um, that we visited. It gave me a new boldness that I i wouldn't have had i think i mean sometimes god gives you the boldness here sometimes he takes you to another country to give you that boldness i think so um yeah if i hadn't been placed in those situations i think um i think i wouldn't have uh developed that god's constantly stretching us and molding us we just have to open it up to him and allow that stretching and allow that that molding um and trust in his plans and be faithful to him so
0: okay (laughs) that's awesome how about you MJ?
2: This coffee is really good. So in Bosnia, first you, you take a bite of the sugar cube, and then you drink the coffee and you let the coffee roll over the sugar cube. That's, it's so good. <laughs> this is like bringing me back to um, Sarajevo. Thanks, Nate. You're welcome. Okay, well, since I've, since I've been back, I think um, I've definitely been less anxious I'm kind of a hyper person those of you that know me even though my body stinks and I'm tired a lot I still am pretty hyper so for me I've been trying to slow my pace down a little bit which has been easy since since I've been back I've been exhausted so Um, I think this is my fourth trip this was my fourth trip to Bosnia Um, the first one that was clearly just um, devoted to the the handcraft project but I think God has spoken to me in different ways after trips um my first trip i was on was with nate and bo and christy and i mean it 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 totally changed the trajectory of my life um because i think your first trip you're just so your eyes are so open to um your world view changing and um uh, i came home after that trip and i fasted for one year not food (laughs) but from buying clothing you know, I was humbled so much just, you know, getting to meet the women and what they, the one outfit they had, and I was like, I am such a pig. You know, like, I go shopping way too much. And so that was like, oh, my gosh, I, after a year, I didn't need anything but maybe underwear, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, that was, but this time, I think God was really speaking to me that he just wanted me to want more of him that it was all about him. Um, even making something all about the Bosnian Handcraft Project isn't right if he isn't first. So um, since coming back, I've just spent more time with him. That's been my focus. Um, I try, I'm not a good morning person, but when I get up in the morning, I try to do a devotional. And I have a friend who does that every morning, and she's encouraged me to do that. So she's been, you know, like God does bring people up alongside of you. Um, when you need it Um, uh, and then I had another friend that for my 60th birthday gave me a book to read and this was way before I went on the trip and I picked it up after the trip and it has been just the book um, is called Becoming More Than a Good Bible Study Girl um, and it is all about getting closer to God and it was just what I needed after the trip so I've been reading that and so I think just slowing down has been what God was telling me to do even throughout the trip, you know, not to be anxious and to, to let him soothe my soul.
0: Amen. Luckily, I have already become more than a Bible study girl <laughs> by nature of not being a girl. Um, so now that you're back, I'm curious, what things have changed?
1: Hmm. So, let's say. I guess now that I'm back, the big things that were weighing on me before um, just seem a lot smaller now. Um, it's really easy to get caught up in thinking that we can control everything around us. Uh, but after taking a trip like, like this one to Bosnia, um, I just feel like God redirected my thoughts and reminded me that he's in control, um, that his yeah. plans are bigger and better, and that um, you know, his timing for things is purposeful. Even if I don't think that's purposeful, um, his timing is definitely for his purpose. Um, you know, just like MJ said, I, I've been able to ask myself if what I'm doing is, is going to glorify God or not. And if it's not, then why am I spending my time doing it?
0: How have you seen God at work? Me again?
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, uh, because the focus of the trip was the Bosnian Handcraft Project, it was... It was really inspiring to see how that um, works over there. Um, it was really fun to see when we would go to the women's homes who had met Mary Jo before. They were so excited to see her. They would just run out and they were like, oh, Maddie Jo, and they'd give her a big hug and greet her. So that was really inspiring. Um, I think I definitely saw God at work through that. Um, they were all really excited to share with us um, everything they've been able to do because of the um, proceeds from the project. Um, they loved showing us their you know, new dentures and the things they've been able to buy for their homes, and, um, you know, some of them were able to purchase their homes. A couple of them were, were squatters after the war, so it was nice that now they have a place to call their own. Um, we went to a town called Barash one day, and we met with um, two believers there, and I, I hope I get this right. There's, It was two believers out of six believers in the whole town. Um, these two ladies that we met with were just so inspiring. They um, shared their stories with us of how they came to the Lord through the war. Um, and it was just really humbling. It really brought me to tears that day. So um, listening to them and hearing their story, I saw, definitely saw God at work there. Um, yeah, I, I was really surprised also and, and definitely saw God at work in the homes of um, the Muslim women that we visited and how um, eager they were and um, comfortable they were with us praying with them. Um, asking us for prayer, um, just so gracious and hospitable to us. You know, these two white Christian women from America. You know, they just they were very gracious to us. And when we asked if there was anything we could pray with them about, they had a list of things we could pray um, pray for them. So, I I definitely think that's God's work. And, you know,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. How about you, MJ? Do you have a um, slide or?
2: Yeah, well, I, I hadn't been back to Bosnia. The last time I was there was in 2008. So to me, there was a, there was a ton of change. Um, you know, the trip, the trip was about the handcraft project, but I think for me, God made it about so much more. It was very encouraging for me to see some of the changes um, that had happened. The first year I went, Nate, with you guys, we had gone on a prayer walk to Varesj. Um, Because there was no known believers in that town. And we went up over the town on a hill and just prayed that God would bring believers to that town. That was in 2005. And then I come back in 2015, and I'm doing a a meeting with 20 women in a hotel room um, so that the new um, pastor and his wife can get to know people in that town. There's now a growing church, like, body in that town. There's only four people right now, but, but to me that's huge because there was no known believers. Now we have, you know, uh, Mario and Deanna, who we knew when they were learning how to be pastors and wives and, you know, head of the church, and now they've decided that God's called them to that town so that they can share the good news there. So to me that was like, oh, man, what an answer to prayer that is. And it wasn't wow. just us that year praying over that town. The missionaries in Bo- Bosnia have been praying for that town for years and years and years. So that was really cool for me to see God at work there because, you know, it's just, it's touching. And, and also, Diana really needed help in breaking ground with the women there, the non-believing women there. So when Lorian and I come into town and we say, oh, we'll make bracelets and earrings with them, and... 20 women show up to make jewelry with us, that was really fun. That was really fun, and they were so open to let Deanna take their names, their phone numbers, their addresses. So now she's got a way to get in touch with these women and to start sharing the Lord with them. So um, that, that, that was huge for me. And every, every um, woman's group, we, we, we saw 93 women while we were there. Um, about 30 of those were in homes, were actual handcraft women. And then we had four groups of women that we met in fellowship groups like this. One was a group of non-Christian women, and the other three were um, Christian women groups. But every group that we met in, I think we shared our testimonies. They were so welcoming, and we you know, were blessed just as much as they were blessed in those meetings. So I really saw God at work in those meetings, too. Um, so it wasn't just about the handcraft project for me. It was just uh, women's fellowship in general. Was um, you could see God's spirit working in that.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, the uh, I haven't read the most recent statistics, but when I last checked, one less than one percent Christian, mm-hmm. evangelical Christian, in Bosnia, mm-hmm. um, ninety something percent. Which is, means there's a huge market. There.
2: There. <laughs> there's a huge market. From a marketing standpoint, you know, you got to look if you're, at it. If you're interested
0: in marketing the gospel. Yeah. yeah. You excellent. Know, there's, excellent. There's, there's um, nowhere but up. Nowhere but up for that, you
2: know. Yeah.
0: So. so yes, this is, the, the this is a bunch of people from the United States, I guess, and, and local uh, ba- national, Bosnian national pastors ten years ago standing on this hill overlooking Varash and praying God, send revival, bring, bring, a, bring your presence into this place. And look what he's done 10 years later. Amazing, amazing stuff. So uh, briefly share a story about an individual who was impacted by your trip uh, or who impacted your life or both.
2: Okay, so uh, we visited a lot of women, and uh, I, I think most of the women were very excited to see us, you know. But the one that really, and, and Lori and I talked about this because we both wanted to take her, like, I want to talk about Kadira. No, I want to talk about Kadira is a Muslim woman who uh, has been in the project for about six years. Yeah, you have a picture of Kadira maybe. No. That's, that's the, the yeah. That's the, there oh, she, there she, is. she is. There she is. That's Kadera. So is a Muslim woman that's been in the project about six years. And um, when we came to her home, she just lit up. I mean, she, is, she was so happy. <laughs> happy to see us, and she put out a spread, like, you could we were so stuffed, like, her food was amazing, amazing, and the coffee, and the drinks, and then the dessert, and we could hardly walk out of her place, right? We, like, we, like, she lives on a hill, and we, like, rolled down the hill. When we were. I just want to I'm
0: starting to become offended that you haven't eaten those cookies yet. Uh, yeah, but, you but there's eat all of them.
2: gluten in them. Yeah, I know. In Bosnia, I eat gluten. In the U.S., I try not to eat gluten. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Kadira, this is what she shared with us. Um, And over the years, Kadira was a squatter after the war, which meant she had nowhere to go. So she squatted. Um, uh, Her and her husband didn't have much money. But over the years, she'd been able to buy this little row home in downtown Sarajevo. And because of the project, her and her husband... Both have this little job where they take care of a public bathroom. So basically they clean a bathroom. Um, and she does the first shift and he does the second shift. And there's a little office. So not only did we visit her in her home and let her you know, lavish over us <laughs> uh, all this great food and everything, Lorian and I actually walked to the bathroom one day and visited her at her place of work, which really like inspired her, I think, because we brought a bucket of cleaning supplies with us. And because we found out she has to buy her own cleaning supplies. We are like, appalled by that. Like, she has a job, but she has to buy the supplies. So we bought her a whole bunch of supplies, a new bucket, gloves, you know, all this, and she was, like, so blown away. So that was very very cool, and she let us pray with her. She's a Muslim woman, and I really feel like the Lord is going to get her. I really feel like I know he's chosen her. I know it. I know it in my heart, and I know, you know, for a Muslim to come to Christ is huge because you basically turn your back on your family because her family won't have anything to do with her if she sa- says she's profess- professing Jesus as her savior. So it's it's really hard for a Muslim to come to Christ. Um, so, but she I, she, I know she knows that it's the love of Christ that has brought her to the project. I know every time Kathy visits her and prays with her that she feels the love of Christ. So... I'm I'm really I'm really thankful for her and I and I pray for her every day. You know that she's she's somebody I pray for every day. But just so you know, okay, this is what Kadera has been able to purchase besides helping out with them getting a home. Um, just recently, she got to purchase a headstone for her child that passed away like 18 years ago at one and a half years old. She didn't have a headstone on the grave, so she was able to do that. She's purchased a wood stove, a TV. She purchases wood to heat her house every year with Bosnian Handcraft money. She purchases most of her food with that money. Yep. Food that she shared with us. Um, she bought an electric stove. And then just recently, which is huge for them, she bought a washing machine. Like, she has always washed her clothes by hand. So now she has a washing machine, and she has a porch where she can hang her clothes out to dry. So that's, that's Kadera And... Um, so that was, a, that was a really touching visit. Um, for me, the person that always inspires me through all the years of the project has been Seika. I feel like is my godmother, um, for sure. She um, continues to impact my life. When we visited her, she made it very clear at her woman's gathering that we put God first, and then maybe if we have time, we're gonna knit. So to me, that's encouraging. Like, okay, I always think about, I gotta sell more crafts, but you know what? Selling crafts isn't as important as the word of God. So always come back to that, that it's God first. Ask him what's important, and then go
0: ahead and sell some crafts. <laughs> so
2: those are, the two, those are the two people that for me are, were you know, just inspiration.
0: I love that. I love that. It reminds me, the project Buying This Muslim Woman, all this stuff that she needs, reminds me of the verse, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us towards repentance. So the kindness of the Lord expressed through his people, that, that, that works. That works well. So, good to hear that. We'll be in prayer for her. Go. So how about you, Lorian?
1: Um, well, I want to point out Seika made this top and she made this, this dress. dress also. So. And she made the... Uh, now. We're going to get her and make something. Yeah, we
0: <laughs> could. I would like a uh, big Holy Bosnian <laughs> woman sweater to wear. <laughs> um,
1: I think um, our visit to Sonata was impactful to her. I think that... Um, so she's a believer. She go, attends the Braza Evangelical Church. Um, she was really excited. She came running up to Mary Jo and was like, Jo, Joel, She was one of the ones that was just um, so inspired by Mary Jo. So I really think that um, she really appreciated our visit to her home. Um, she was excited to show us her new home. Yeah, that's Sonata. Um, oh, that's okay. <laughs> so she... Uh, she shared with us when we prayed with her that she'd been struggling in her faith, and I think that um, I think she was encouraged. I hope she was encouraged um, after we prayed with her. Um, you know, she said that she's been struggling staying on the right path, and having our visit um, to her home and praying with her um, just encouraged her to get back where she should be, where she knows her Lord and Savior wants her to be. Um, yeah, so she really impacted. I think we impacted her, but she also—I mean, she's a blessing to us as well. She was. She's a really neat lady. Um, and then somebody that um, I was impacted by definitely was Fadila. I just fell in love with her. She wants I want her to be my mom, my Muslim mom. <laughs> she has this amazing little farmhouse out in the country, and um, she was so hospitable to us. She works so hard. They live off the land. She has gardens and fruit trees, and she makes every single thing. Um, from scratch, her own cheese, sour cream, I mean, she put out everything and it was all homemade and keeper. keeper. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she was really inspiring. She just, um, her and her husband work so hard for everything they have and they're, I don't want to use the word proud, but they're very, um, it, she was very quick to tell us, you know, we don't have any debt. Everything we have is because we've worked for it and because of the handcraft project. And she was sharing with me the things that she was able to do through the handcraft project, which was buy a new rug, and um, I think she got a new stove, stove, um, and different things like that. Um, I kind of just wanted to stay at her house and just learn from her, because she shears her own sheep, and she spins her own wool, and then she knits the slippers from that wool, and, you know, she's just a very big inspiration. So
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. So, how would you say your prayer life has changed or evolved since you've gotten back from Bosnia. Um, How has the the rhythm of your spiritual life transformed since you returned or changed?
1: Um, Well, I think my prayers have become more global. (laughs) I think being able to put faces to the names that, um, you know, that I've seen the names on the tags of the items, but, um, you know, being able to pray specifically for the women in the project, and also, um, you know, just getting to know the other international workers there. I, I guess I kind of thought Kathy and Mark were the only ones, but there's a whole slew of them over there. So praying for the international workers in Bosnia, Herzegovina, um, yeah, I think the rhythm of my spiritual life has been evolving over the past couple of years, but um, since being back from Bosnia, it has... Evolved more and just slowing down and learning to listen to um, the Holy Spirit's leading and how he wants me to pray, what to pray for, who to pray for.
0: Amen. Amen. How about you MJ?
2: Um, well the, I think the rhythm of my spiritual life started to change before we left because Lorian and I started to meet on a weekly basis and pray for Bosnia and um, just get prepared so that's kind of put me in that rhythm and then um, as we were on the trip, we did a lot of praying with the women and together with Kathy and Mark. And so, I, you know, like I said, um, I think God really spoke to me during the trip that He just wanted me to be closer to Him. So I've kind of continued that on my morning um, devotionals. But um, specifically on the trip, God laid on my heart to pray for unity, which I, I had never gotten a, you know, a, you know, you know he's never really laid anything like that on my heart before where I pray for unity in the church and he meant his church he didn't mean new life fellowship you know he meant the church of bosnia the global church of jesus christ you know so um and i think that was laid on my heart because while we were there there was a there was a lot of you could see a lot of disjointedness and some issues in the the church and people not getting along and and also i think with you know there there's unity problems in all churches you know where you know i want to listen to this guy preach i rather listen to this guy and so god was just impressing this on my heart to pray for unity overall for all the churches so that's what i've been doing i've been praying for unity and um and and now even more like i didn't even know what was going to be happening at new life i didn't know that our pastor was going to step down. And, you know, so even more now I'm praying for new life and unity because I think this is a time where we really have to be unified and um, seek God into what our next step is as a body of Christ. So, so I think I'm praying specifically for that. And, you know, I, and I just realized that it can o- only things, things can only happen through him. You know, I can pray and pray, but if I'm not connected to him um, with the right heart, then, you know, it's all for naught. So. Yeah. Next. Oh, so. oh, okay.
0: So, how has yeah. uh, your disposition changed? I guess I, I'm curious about that. You know, kind of your attitude and, w- and way you kind of tackle yeah. life.
2: Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, can, you know, like can can you be more bold? Yeah, I think so. Like, listening to Reza, I I thought I thought you know Reza's story was great because we all. I think I'm a pretty bold person. I'll ta- I'll tell anybody about Jesus pretty much. I tell. I've told strangers on an aircraft about Jesus, uh, so so I don't usually have a problem with, I think I'm better with strangers actually than I am with people that I actually know, but, but um, you know, I, I think I, I have a new excitement for what God has in store for me because I'm trying to get closer to him, so I just, I'm in, like a new anticipation for what might be next, what might be next for new life because, you know, we're in transition, so I definitely have a new anticipation for that and i think my quiet time has really helping me prioritize each day for him so that's that's kind of i think how things have changed for me and i'm and i'm feeling less pressure to do do it all to just do what he wants me to do and if some things don't get done sorry ed it's the way it goes because i'm just gonna listen to god
0: and if the dishes are in the sink so nice. be it nice okay <laughs> now we know about your dishes how are you, Laurie?
1: I think I've definitely become more bold in my faith. I think, um, you know, sharing my testimony so many times in Bosnia—it just really uh, showed me that if I don't share it here, then how are people going to know God's plans and um, how can how can I glorify Him through all the trials and joys if I'm not sharing that? So, yeah, I think it's definitely made me more bold in my faith, and yeah.
0: So, how can the church? How can you see the church can respond to what you're sharing? Uh, We sent you to Bosnia. We prayed for you. Um, We've received you back. How can we respond to what you guys do do and and brought back with you?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm really, really thankful to all of you here at New Life for sending us on this trip. Um, I know I joke about how I got interested in the project was by shopping from the handcrafts. But it's true. I really think that's part of God's plan as well was um, just, you know, Being able to put faces to the names from those tags of all the items I bought over the years was really humbling. And um, now just specifically praying for the women, um, as I recall their faces and as God brings them to mind. um, I would say, you know, going forward, pray for the Bosnian Handcraft Project. Pray for the international workers there. Um, Go to the CMA webpage and, and see the faces of who's serving where. We have IWs everywhere. It's just really... Amazing. Give to the Great Commission Fund. Um, they really rely on that. Um, yeah. Buy handcrafts. Yeah. You, I think they can help by
2: buying handcrafts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you know I'm going to say that. But, but seriously, um, you know, we talk about upward, inward, outward here all the time. That's been kind of our uh, mantra at New Life for a long time. Um, but it's true. You know, I, I think... You got to go up first. Um, I think a lot of there's there's great prayers here at New Life. I know personally, so many people were in prayer for us while we were on the trip, and Lorian and I really felt that. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for um, my New Life family that prayed for us um, and just thought about us while we were away. That was you know that was phenomenal for us. So um, so as a church, there's so much we can do. I mean, that's just a list. You know, that the list goes on and on and on. But I think if you're, you know, for me, if you're, if you're connected to God, he's going to let you know where he wants you to serve. There's some place for everyone to serve. It doesn't have to be Bosnia. Obviously, I encourage people to take that faith-filled risk and do something different because God always opens your eyes in a different way when you're out of your comfort zone. And I know for that first trip for me, I was so out of my comfort zone. I didn't even know where Bosnia was the first time I went. I mean, I knew it was like former Yugoslavia, somewhere near the Adriatic Sea. But, you know, I didn't really know much about, other than they had the Olympics in Sarajevo. You know, I didn't really know much about it. So I think when you get outside your comfort zone, God does open your eyes. So, you know, listening to Riza, you know, how her her, um, VBS story and being bold enough got, you know, if she hadn't come to VBS and drove those families here, God would have never spoken to her to be bold. You know, she definitely got a word from God. That wasn't really encouraging to me to see how, you know, she listened to God and was bold enough to share the gospel with with those women. So um, when we do things that we're not necessarily comfortable with, God opens our heart in a a really amazing way. I did VBS this year. I don't don't really like doing VBS, right, Carolyn? I mean... Carolyn drags me, pretty much drags me to VBS because she wants to do VBS. And I feel like, okay, God, if you're, if you're calling Carolyn to that, and my friend Jen, who I love, needs help. So that, that's pretty much the reason. Then, then I feel like that's God calling me. If he's calling me through Jen, he's calling me through Carolyn, he's calling me to go to VBS. So I go there, and in my group, I'm a group leader, in my group there's this kid from outside of New York state who happens to be there be and he really needs he really needs some prayer and he needs ministering to, and he shared things with me that he, I don't think he shared with anybody else and I prayed with him and it was amazing he you know his grandmother or great grandmother I think came back to me the next day and said that he had had an answer to prayer that night so if I didn't go to VBS you know none of that would have happened and I wasn't that thrilled about being at VBS <laughs> to be honest with you. But I had a, I had a really good time um, when I was there, and I was really tired at the end of the week. Ed will tell you how grumpy I got towards the end of the week because getting up really early every morning isn't my gig. But um, uh, God still had a plan, and it didn't matter if I was you know, want, really wanting to be there so much as he wanted me to be there. So that's what I would, I would tell people. Just That's how you can respond. You respond to God. You don't need to respond to us, but you can just respond to God. Anything you
0: want to add to that? You good? No, she's good. Okay. So what would you say to someone who might consider going on a short-term uh, mission trip in the future? Don't do it? or
2: Well, I would just say do it. Do it. I just, okay. Do, just, just do it because it will change your life. It'll right. ch- I don't really have a lot more that I need to say about that, but you should be specifically praying about it, though. <laughs> you know, keep calm and just do it.
0: Yeah, nice help. job on the slides, ladies. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I would say don't doubt God's calling on your life. Um, He knows you intimately inside and out, and his plans um, are for the good of those who believe in him. So trust that his work is not complete in you yet, and stretch yourself. If I had just continued saying, no, it's not time for me to go, no, it's not time, I would have never had that experience. And I don't know, it's just those faith-filled risks. They always seem to pan out.
0: (laughs) Very good. We say faith-filled risks are how you get from here to there. That's what we'd like to say around here. So thank you ladies, give them a hand. So uh we're not going to have a closing song today. I just want a couple minutes of your time to talk to you about something God's put on my heart. You guys you can take the cookies if you want. Yeah. So I want everyone to stand up. All right. So far so good. Well done. Everyone is able to stand, I should say, because it's not it's kind of cruel to expect everyone to stand up. Now I want everyone to stand on one foot, on your right foot. Okay? Look at your leg and notice what it's doing. Those are your stabilizing muscles. Holding your leg up. It's incredible. The body the brain is incredible. Now I want you to lift <laughs> Jeff is suffering. I want you to lift your heel and stand on your toe. Look what happens. How long can you do it for? Not too long. Not too long. You can sit down. So, I've been training recently for a marathon, 26.2 miles. However, I've had some setbacks. Uh, I started getting tendonitis in my right knee, and I've gotten it now twice. And it is very, very hard for me to stop training for my marathon. (laughs) It really discouraged me. You can ask. You can ask anyone. Um, I actually emailed my cell group and said I'd been doing so well, ran seven miles, ran nine miles. I emailed my cell group and said I got this something wrong with my knee. You got to pray for me. I'm so discouraged. I don't even want to wake up because I'm so motivated by this marathon training. And uh, this girl in my group, Becca Mason, in my, in my cell group, she's a physical therapist, and she emailed me back. And you know, it says. Um, it says, don't just, don't just tell someone, be warm and well fed, I'll pray for you. Do something for their physical needs. She really exemplified Christ to me. She said, I'm a physical therapist, I'm going to give you physical therapy for free, because I'm awesome. So after cell group, she, she worked with me in physical therapy. And she did an evaluation, um, she, she, she examined muscles and stuff like that, and she told me something that I didn't know, which is Amazing. No, just kidding. <laughs> that happens a lot, actually. I learn things I don't know often. I had knee surger- surgery back in 2001. I tore my meniscus in my right knee while playing volleyball. All the way through. Couldn't be repaired. At least that's what they told me. The surgeon removed the meniscus from my right knee. I now have no meniscus in my right knee. For 14 years, no meniscus. The meniscus is the, is the cartilage stuff that bumps the bones together. I was told, in 10 years, you're going to get arthritis in that knee. You're going to have troubles. And so I was, I was so concerned because the goal of the, of the marathon, looming, and then this old injury, it, it, it was crushing. You know, it was very very crushing to my spirit. Um, but she told me something I didn't, I didn't know. I thought it was my meniscus problem, but it was tendonitis, not the meniscus. And you know what the tendonitis came from? When I, when I had my surgery back in 2001, I was on crutches for like a month, right? So I'm off this leg, and I'm walking with this leg. This leg is getting stronger because it's compensating. The quad muscle is like getting stronger, and this muscle is atrophying. Back then, it was Heather. Heather Parks would know this. Um, I don't know if she's here, but um, she's a physical therapist. Back then, surgeons often did not prescribe physical therapy. Now they prescribe it all the time because they've learned that if you don't have proper physical therapy, even after a minor, what's considered a minor surgery, you're going to get imbalances. For 14 years, I have been walking around with a giant quad muscle here and, and an atrophied quad muscle there. So when, when I was training for my marathon, I ran a half-marathon distance a month ago, 13.1 miles. And uh, and I got this horrible tendonitis because this knee isn't as strong as this knee. I mean, this... this, this uh, uh, the quad muscle is not firing and this one's firing so this one's getting stronger and so the physical therapy exercises I do are are going like this activating the quad muscle getting it strong so that it can match this quad muscle so that I can run a marathon in November (laughs) Lord willing um, without getting tendinitis anymore I might still have some arthritis some meniscus with that from that whatever I can still run a marathon the tendonitis isn't going to get me anymore. Um, So the thing about these these physical therapy exercises is they're really, really hard. Um, I called Becca the first day and said, I'm doing these things. It's killing me. I'm like, I've been running. like I ran a half marathon. I'm really strong. Why am I having a hard time with this? And she said it's actually very common. She's an athletic physical therapist. It's very, very common with athletes who are training to... Basically, be very, very strong. But once they start doing physical therapy, they re- you realize, oh, actually, I'm really weak in some areas. And like you can like, they're like become like a baby. So you get this guy that's like jacked up with like no neck, and, like giant arms. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to physical therapy. Yeah, he'll show her what I can do. He's like, he's like, okay, I want you to stand on one foot, lift your heel. He's like, oh, he falls over. You know, this is a really interesting thing. So the question of how can I be so weak when I think I'm so strong? Is a question that loomed in my mind, and she answered that for me. This is a common thing. You need to strengthen your muscles so they're all equal. God put a sentence in my mind. uh, For that's sometimes how God speaks to me. As we were preparing for the Bosnia day, God put a sentence in my mind. And the sentence, uh, and, and this is something I'm saying, I sense from God. The sentence is that He desires new life fellowship to be strong enough to send, strong enough to send. Okay? So send is a missionary word going to Bosnia. It's a missional word, local in the community. Uh, it's just doing the mission that God's given us to do. God wants our church to be strong enough to send. In Ephesians 4:16, it says from Christ, we read this earlier, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. At New Life, we are really really a strong church in many ways. Uh, just, just, to, just to make some observations. We are training for a marathon in terms of outreach. We're really juiced about it. You heard it today. The Bosnia, the VBS, uh, the Chatterfest outreach, the fall festival and fall giveaway that we do. These are things we're juiced about. And sometimes we don't get all the volunteers we want right in the beginning, but the day of, everyone shows up like, yeah, I'll do something, organize me. You know? we, we got a lot of enthusiasm uh, and, a lot, and a lot of people come. So we're training for a marathon in terms of outreach. I think we're training for a marathon in terms of our heart for worship. This church has grown in leaps and bounds in our heart for worship, uh, our heart and prayer to connect to God and draw near to Him. Um, We're training for a marathon. But when, when it comes to standing on one foot and lifting up to our toes, we realize that some of our muscles are not where they need to be right now. And if we don't do something about it, New Life Fellowship is not going to be strong enough to send for much longer. This is the concern that I think God has. Every supporting ligament in the church, as the ladies said in their, in their thing, has to do its work, or this thing's going to fall over. There's going to become a day when we're not strong enough to send a Bosnia team for whatever reason, uh, where there will be no partnership, where we send money to the Bosnian church uh, and, the, and the work they're doing there every month, which is what we're doing right now, to support the ministry that God's doing in Bosnia to a country that only has less than 1% Christians. There will be uh, a time when we don't have enough money to send money to the Wilton Food Pantry, which we do every month, to take care of the physical needs of people in our community. Um, There will be a time when there are no families, no young families at New Life, because the children's ministry isn't staffed. And and when young families come to a church, it's understandable that they want someplace for their kids to to be discipled and grow in Christ, to to become a part of the church. There there could come a day when people would show up and we just don't have teachers. And it's happened. It's happened. Um, There will be a time uh, when there's not discipleship happening because the cell groups and the small group communities, people are saying, I'm I'm too busy to become part of that. I'm just too busy. I don't have the, the training to facilitate SL. So I'm just not going to not going to do it. And then the disa- the discipleship program that we feel God's called us to is just gone. You know, these are the supporting ligaments. These are the things that hold the whole thing up. We are doing we are training for a marathon in so many ways. We are really strong, and God is poising us for a maximal impact on this community and on this world. We are the. The nationwide distribution center for the Bosnian Handcraft Project, God has poised us to make an impact in Saratoga Springs. We are really strong. We are really strong. But you can be strong and weak at the same time. And if those supporting ligaments don't get strengthened up, guess what? We won't be strong enough to send anymore. So my challenge to you, find out what God's called you to do and do it. Find out what God's called you to do and do it. a lot of times we fill roles, which is a great thing. VBS needs workers. I'm not particularly called to kids. Someone might say, they do it. I fulfilled a role, and God blesses. Look at what God did. Just because you don't feel like doing it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. And, and the blessing just flows. Uh, but there's another, so fill roles when they're needed, right? But there's also the question of calling. What has God called you to do? This is the passion of my heart uh, as, uh, uh, that God's given to me. Uh, uh, what is God calling you to do in terms of your unique gifts, talents, um, in, terms, in terms of your disposition and your spiritual gifts? What has God wired you to do in the body? What are you doing to find out what God's wired you to do? Uh, my, my, one of my very best friends, I'll, I'll tell this story, and Aaron might not, he'll like it, he'll like it. Aaron, Aaron was diligent to me. He came to this church and he said, I don't know what God wants me to do. So he tried like Everything. He was in the children's ministry. The only thing he didn't do was like lead worship, I think. He tried everything, and he found what God was calling him to do. Um, I'm just saying, find what God's called you to do and do it. We need all the supporting ligaments to be here to hold up this thing so that we can be strong enough to send. And this is not about New Life Fellowship. This is about your heart of service to God. Uh, in, Ro- in Romans 12... Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is about your worship to God, your giving to God, so that when, you, when you're face-to-face with God, whether it's sooner or later, you know, because we don't know when we're going to see God next. Uh, it could be a car accident. It could be old age. We don't know. Um, when, you, when you come face-to-face with him, you can say honestly, I figured out what you called me to do. I figured out what my gifts were, and I used them for your kingdom. My money, my time, my talents, my treasure. I surrendered it all to you. I, I built up the local church by being a supporting ligament. I scrubbed a toilet. And God will say, good job. Someone needed to scrub that toilet. Because there's people that come to the church that are like neat freaks. And they, they come in, there. like, oh, this seems like a good place. Oh, the toilets are disgusting. I'm not coming back here. You know? <laughs> there, honestly, you get all types of people coming into the church. Every supporting ligament needs to do its part so this thing can continue to be strong. We are, we are mar- marathoners at New Life. We are, going to, we are poised for impact. That's what our DS said. You know, he, he believes, looking at us, that God's going to do great things, but we all need to find our part and do it. We really do. From our wallet all the way to our time, which is more valuable to most people than what's in their wallet. In terms of, think about the reasons people don't do things. It's, it's always time. It's always time. So I just want to close this in prayer. I apologize for going over. I'll tell the children's ministry personally later. I love them. They serve us so well. God bless them. Jesus, we, we want to be strong enough to send. You have put this word on my heart, Lord, that we be strong enough to send, that every supporting ligament would do its part, and that we would grow strong, that, that, uh, that our huge, giant, bulging muscles of outreach and worship and love can, can be put to good use because all the other parts are working together Lord, that we might all grow into, together into the head who is Christ into the full goal that you have for this church, you have a dream for us Lord grow us into that dream, grow us into that dream, use us, poise us for, uh, for impact in your kingdom in Saratoga Springs and the world, let each person here uh, come to know what you're calling them to do and give them the strength to take a faithful risk and do it to step out and do it In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming, everyone.